welcome to First Aid, then Paul, the order in which we will creep down your chimney this Christmas to give you some nuggety news and some techie treats. Hello, I am Ebenezer Aid, and here I am with little Timmy Paul. Oh, thank you, Mister. I was going to be the Grinch, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that sounds much more enjoyable for you. Yeah, I don't want to be little Timmy. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've refused to put the What's that, Mr. Scrooge? <laughs> uh, yes, we are back after six months off the air. Um, listeners may be aware that I had a, a complete uh, psychotic break with reality <laughs> after the general election. Uh, and <laughs> after, the, after the Downing Street incident, I wasn't allowed to go anywhere near a microphone <laughs> for six months. And now we're back. <laughs> uh, as as per the restraining order, um, I haven't been allowed to speak to Paul. Uh, this is the first time we've spoken since that last podcast. It's been a long time. Yeah. How are you? How are you, Paul? Uh, I'm alive and well. Wow. Mm. That certainly is not what the law authorities led me to believe. <laughs> <laughs> they, they kept well, insisting you died. Uh, well, and, uh, I, I, I may well be, and this all may be in your imagination. <laughs> That, that is true. Yes, welcome to the Christmas special, uh, listeners. We're just going to have a little rundown of of, yeah. of the yearly goings on. But before we I've, do I've, that, I've let, can I just wheel in? Oh, oh, yeah. What's that? So, well, I've brought us today. Ah, 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 gimmick, <laughs> our gimmick. <laughs> this is our Christmas advent calendar. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, each one contains a uh, a story yeah. in the form of a confectionery. Wow. How long did you spend working on this? Oh, uh, do you want it in real time or imaginary time? Spit <laughs> uh, the difference. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to say, um, yeah, it's, it took me about five, uh, five days. Yeah. Mm, brilliant. Mm. Right, well, let's uh, let's open up the first little box on our mm-hmm. advent calendar. Our first of December box. Yeah. Ooh. Pe- oh, wait, wait, I've got to peel it away. You've got to peel it away. Okay. Peel it away. Okay, I'm opening up. Okay. Oh, wow. Nice. Oh, it's a, it's a small pistol. <laughs> Is this for shooting myself in the foot with? Very, very good. Yes, it certainly is. Yes, on the first day of Christmas, our podcast gave to me the triggering of Article 50. Yay. Don't expect that for everyone. <laughs> well, the song. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, oh, okay. I, I haven't built up a fake version of that song. But you can do the jazz hands. I can time. do the jazz hands. Okay, good. Uh, so, so, yes, back in March 2017, which we would have covered on this podcast, I recommend people go back and listen. Um, uh, Article 50 was triggered, and this was to authorise Theresa May to begin negotiations to bring us out of Europe. Uh, there was an actual vote on it, which was secured in uh, the courts. Originally, Theresa May didn't want to have to uh, get authority from Parliament, but mm. she was told uh, by the Supreme Court that she had to. And But there was a vote and she passed it easily. 498 voted yeah. in favour of triggering it, to only 114 against. Labour were whipped to support the government on that. And there was an awful lot of MPs who were sceptical about Brexit at the time, who voted for Article 50, telling themselves that later on in the Great Repeal Bill, that's when they could oppose Brexit. They have to vote for Article 50 to begin it, but they'll oppose it later. And now we are finally towards the end of that year at that stage of the Great Repeal Act. And those MPs are saying, well, we can't really oppose it now because we voted for Article 50 to begin it. Right. Uh, the wonderful, the wonderful mental gymnastics we go through. Which is, which is very similar to how a referendum started. 
absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's basically lots of passing the buck to future and past versions of yourself. <laughs> and blaming them. What was that idiot thinking? Yeah. Oh, well, well, we'll have to sort that out in the future. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, uh, could anything else have been done? Why is this uh, so important? Well, it's important. Uh, we're going to move very quickly because I know there's 24 stories. It was incredibly important um, that Article 50 was triggered when it was because Article 50 starts a uh, very tight time frame to negotiate uh, the deal of leaving the EU. And at the end of that time frame, you're out sort of no matter what. Yep. So a sensible government would have spent a number of years investing in port infrastructure, uh, putting up a de- bringing up a detailed plan of how your industries would cope. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd look at what kind of trade deals you wanted to do around the world. You'd get all this stuff in place. So when you negotiate with Europe, you don't look so scared. You know, you've got a plan. Yep. So then if you threaten to walk away, it doesn't look insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't do that. And so here we are. Yeah. Great. That was more of a case of just making sure that we couldn't back out, right? It was to it, it was to secure that it was actually going to happen. That, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, to be fair, Theresa May did take about um, nine months to trigger Article Fifty, whereas Jeremy Corbyn wanted it triggered the next day oh after the referendum. So, um... <laughs> right. In fact, apparently there was uh, the the sort of Labour. Um, Senior Labour figures were preparing statements for, you know, and now we need to take time to reflect on this and put in a plan uh, of how we can proceed. And they turned on the TV and there was Jerry Corbyn saying, it must be triggered immediately. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. (laughs) So there you go. Right. Let's open the next. A chocolate coin. Yeah. Well, starting traditionally. What could this be? Is this the uh, stunning... Rise of Bitcoin. Yeah, that's definitely... It's been a big year for cryptocurrencies. Uh, and not necessarily in a good way. Um, do you remember I covered that the, there was a massive divide between um, two communities in Bitcoin? Mm. Um, well, it got so bad that uh, one half uh, split off and created their own cryptocurrency. How is the other crypt, the new cryptocurrency going? Uh, non- it's called Bitcoin Cash, and it's doing okay considering they just forked the ledger. Uh, so anyone who had Bitcoin in in the original one has Bitcoin in both automatically. Um, they've done all right. Um, however, uh, we'll see whether they're they're a real thing or not. Um, mm. uh, that's that's kind of interesting. But the uh, Oh, so many things. Obviously, it's gone from start. It started this year at about a thousand, didn't it? And now it's uh, um, something like thirteen thousand or fourteen thousand pounds uh, per Bitcoin. Yeah, I think it was like a thousand dollars at the beginning of the year Gosh. or something like that. Now it's it's firmly in the thirty. But that that it it does seem to be an investment bubble. Um, yes, a lot of people who want to. Screw, squirrel away money from various places in the world seem to be using Bitcoin to do it and uh, sudden rushes in demand and the lack of the ability for the currency to be generated at anything but a fixed rate um, means that there's only so many coins to go around and because it's always accumulated in value people don't want to sell it and they're holding on to mm. it so it's harder and harder to find it which means you have to spend more and more uh, for it Yeah, we're getting into tulip territory we are definitely in tulip territory however uh, the tulip had to bust because it was fundamentally it was fundamentally flowers, <laughs> and, it was, and as soon as 
no one was making any money from the tulips. Yeah. It, it kind of undermined it. Whereas this was never, it's kind of weird. This is kind of, I mean, it's, it's like a bank ca- account. I mean, maybe all the drugs and prostitutes in the world might suddenly vanish and then, you know, the, the market might collapse. Well, then. No, what's, what's quite funny is that Bitcoin isn't being used anymore for buying drugs and, uh, and prostitutes. Yeah, of course. Because so this now year, because like, um, I've noticed it, because now it's mainstream uh, as an investment. So people yes. people aren't really thinking of it in the terms that it was originally conceived. And now it's like gold. It's something to quickly sort of buy because it's going to increase in value. Yes, exactly. Which is a shame because it would, I, the reason why I loved it was because it was, mm-hmm. it was to enable. But there are lots of alternative cryptocurrencies out there which that have low transaction fees. In fact, IOTA, uh, which is built for the Internet of Things, doesn't have any transaction fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a totally different way of applying uh, information to the blockchain. And so... Um, it's actually free to make transactions. Whereas Bitcoin, the transactions have, because the transactions were always done in Satoshi, the uh, which is a fraction of a Bitcoin, uh, meant when Bitcoin value goes up, so did the transaction fees. And unfortunately, they've got mm. so high, um, it, we're talking like tens, if not hundreds of dollars <laughs> to do transactions. No one is using it for buying things because the transaction fees are so expensive. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous. And that's why those guys broke off on Bitcoin Cash. Mm. Now, uh, I, I know we're, we're trying to move quick here, but mm-hmm. I've got a question for you about Bitcoin, which I, I yeah. really must uh, must ask because we I don't believe we've ever addressed it before. But there are all sorts of allegations about Bitcoin at the moment is that it's incredibly um, energy intensive to yes. do just transactions. And so that is really bad for the environment. Is well, this true? Or is yeah, this the, just mining of, the mining Bitcoin? of the Bitcoin, the creation of the Bitcoin is the thing that's so energy con- right. consumptive. Uh, so so uh, the more people who try and mine it, uh, it doesn't create more coinage. It just means that the chance of you winning those bitcoins from mining goes down and so uh if the value goes up more people mine because they can still make money Mm. with the the um even with the small chance that they have um it still can be profitable and so unfortunately that means that huge huge quantities of electricity are being used um more than i last estimate i saw is more than the electricity consumption of denmark is being used to mine coin that's um sad isn't it that yeah that's that's very unfortunate and it's not just bitcoin there are many of the altcoins as well it, whenever an altcoin spikes in value um, miners will switch to that altcoin mm. and temporarily start mining that instead mm. um so yeah it's 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 becoming a real issue ethereum has a a, a solution to this that involves uh, not mining to generate coin but it does proof of stake rather than proof of work but that's not fully implemented yet so mm. we've yet to see a solution to this problem um but i'm hoping one of the other cryptocurrencies will find a solution right, right. let's see what's in the next uh, number box three. number three so it's a it's a it's a pair of chocolate boots. Hmm. Yeah. What could that be? Well, on Marsh. Uh, yes, it doesn't seem that long ago uh, that you and I were sitting out in the blazing heat of the park discussing the French elections for oh, this yeah. very podcast. Yes, um, and we were so worried uh, because it looked like the populists might win, especially considering uh, that uh, so many of the candidates were populists. There was very few <laughs> sensible centrists mm-hmm. amongst them. Um, uh, it looked like Marine Le Pen of the National Front could have won, or Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who was sort of on the very far radical left. Um, there was the, I mean, 
closer to the center uh, francois fion but uh, only closer to the center in in relative terms he was pretty thatcherite right and all of those three that i just mentioned um were eu skeptics mm-hmm. and looked very favorably upon uh, putin so it was looking very, very worrying for france indeed and yet somehow emmanuel macron managed to sail through i uh, just managed to get into the second round and then won comfortably in the mm. second round 66 to 33 percent split lovely uh, which was a huge relief to everyone around the world apart from donald trump so only one third of france are colossal racists <laughs> is that right yes yes, yes. Oh, good, good. which which in 2017 is a win <laughs> um oh oh by well the done, way well, as... I mean, seriously well done france because we'd obviously had brexit and uh trump being elected and it just seemed like whenever there was a popular vote it was going to go mental um yeah this was the beginning of the t- tide turning hmm. um and in fact as we record this um, I believe it's Roy Moore, the uh, the uh, senator for, who's mm. running to be senator of Alabama. News just in that he lost that <gasps> to the Democratic candidate oh. um, by a split of, I think, 49% to 48%. Uh, which, I mean, is a hell of a win for the Democrats in Alabama, but it still shows a worrying number of Alabama <laughs> voters are willing to vote for um, an alleged paedophile. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's funny how people still vote for utter scumbags. Yeah. Uh, I, it shows the partisan nature of, of politics when you're willing to to vote for someone you know to be uh, mon- like demonstrably mm. evil because they're on your party <laughs> and yeah. you can just cover it. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's it's uh, fake news and whatever. Oh, yeah. Incredible. So, so it, why isn't that story number 12? What? What's story? Roy Moore losing. <laughs> because because I, I wrote this yesterday. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know well actually Roy Moore's calling for a, um he hasn't he hasn't conceded and um, even though the votes have all been counted he's he hasn't conceded defeat usually usually you refuse to concede defeat because even though the projections look like you're going to lose you still want to stick it out to the end mm-hmm. of the count no they finished the count you still <laughs> still like no <laughs> so, something might happen um uh, but yes the french elections uh, why was this so important to the UK? Why is it important to us sitting here? Well, this was the beginning of the tide turning against Brexit. Mm. It was the first worrying sign that the Brexiteers might not get the magical uplands that they had promised. Because they claimed that Brexit would trigger a sort of uh, domino effect across Europe. And all across Europe, the populist right would rise up and, and it would strip apart the European Union. Well, mm-hmm. no. France elected the most passionately pro-EU candidate they have, yep. um, who is hoping to work with Germany to reform the EU. I- ironically, Europe might get reformed just as we're leaving. <laughs> Yay! So, but that's Because ex- it's exactly what we wanted, was some reform in Europe. Mm-hmm. And... We we have left the party because the party was crap, yeah. uh, and the, and the, because no one would change the music to something decent. And as soon as we walked out, we've we've let the door slam behind us, and then we've heard the music that we wanted come oh, on, yeah. and we're like, oh, you can't walk back in now because no. you've already told yeah. every, you've already said goodbye to everyone. Embarrassingly, we might get halfway down the road and then change our mind and come running back and hammer on the door, but oh. they won't hear because the awesome music is oh, playing too loud. Oh God! Yeah, we'll be banging outside. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So, behind number four, electricity. 
that's for all the Twin Peaks fans. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I didn't know what you're talking about. That's, <laughs> that's for the very few listeners that might happen to have. <laughs> I thought you were having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Which is often what that show is like. Um, <laughs> wow, chocolate electricity. Go. So, so this is an interesting idea to democratise the power grid. So Grid Plus are developing a online service and an actual physical device that you install in your home that automatically buys and sells electricity based on your demand. So the idea is for uh, people who are both using power on from the grid, but also generating some power at home, this allows them to buy and sell based on their current needs. So if they're generating a surplus, it sells it automatically um, and it sells it to the highest bidder. So it can, it basically kind of peer to peer based electricity buying and selling. Um, so like an automatic trading platform for electricity generation, which is great because at the moment the grid is kind of a monopoly. You're told what the what the going prices are, whereas this would essentially create it as a, as a trading platform that's dynamic for real-time electricity generation, mm. which would be great for small electricity producers uh you know so farmers who've converted a field of land mm-hmm. into solar panels um uh, but also for, for home generation mm-hmm. um and it might end up making home consumption cheaper as well mm. in the long term very good right okay uh we're gonna open up the 5th of december God, what is this it seems to be some kind of it's made of iron some kind of rusted some kind of rusty iron rusty rusty iron oh that's that's not safe for a uh, christmas calendar (laughs) (laughs) that's sort of that's what i'd be is it coated in tetanus (laughs) by any chance yeah oh yeah yeah uh this is the uk elections uh yes uh, the iron lady um called a general election assured of a great victory. Such was the state of the Labour poll ratings that Mm -hmm. Theresa May thought that she would win a majority of perhaps 150, uh, perhaps even more, some were predicting. Uh, Would the Labour Party be destroyed forever? Uh, Well, no, it didn't work out that way. Um, Actually, we ended up with a hung parliament, and it was all highly amusing. Um, this has caused quite the downfall of Theresa May and her authority. She's still Prime Minister clinging on. Ironically, it looks like she is so weak that she can't be toppled. <laughs> um, How does that... Is, it, is this like one of those weird physical <laughs> yeah. principles, you know, where you, you it's easier to balance a stick from the bottom yeah. uh, when the stick is taller? Um, is it like one of those weird counterintuitive <laughs> yeah. things like that? Absolutely, because the Tory party is so ruthless. Everyone is afraid that their bitter enemy will rise after her. Ah, I see. Whereas because she's so weak at the moment, everyone can entertain their own fantasies that when she falls, she'll fall sort of in their direction. Right. And, and isn't there this classic thing of the Conservative Party of whoever does the murdering can never be king, mm, right? Yeah. Whoever is the one that pushes the other person out, that invalidates them, really, because suddenly they're like, oh, you can't. You're you're a backstabber. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but really, they were just first in line for the backstabbing. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the the general election itself was very interesting. I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine why um, the Tories didn't do as well as they hoped, given that Labour was promising to uh, 
abolish tuition fees and abolish our old student debt accumulated and renationalize the railways whereas the tories were promising uh, to bring back fox hunting and a dementia tax i mean i just i don't, I don't know why <laughs> hard sell by the tories there um that... <laughs> Um, across the board, it was pretty bad general election from a competency point of view. I, wait, hold on. I'm surprised they didn't uh, propose dementia hunting, uh, <laughs> where they would release people with dementia into the woodlands to be hunted. I know, I know. They, they were saving that. That's, that's, that's for the next one. Um, yes, if, if everyone thought it was the perfect time for May. It turned out to be the perfect time for Corbyn, because it was, of course, it was early enough in the Brexit process that the... Uh, the public weren't concerned about Brexit and they wanted to talk about other things. Mm. Uh, and so Corbyn's strategy of not saying anything about Brexit or developing any kind of policy actually worked out really well for him. Mm. So there we go. That's led to the rather precarious position we're still living with today. Is there going to be another general election anytime soon? Probably not, because everyone's scared of what would happen. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm not oh, gonna. Oh, no, I'm open. Oh no, you're open. Your, your turn. Your turn. Mm. Oh, mm. delicious! It's a little chocolate mobile phone. Mm. Yep. Mm. And this little chocolate mobile phone. Oh. Uh, oh. I hit the SIM card. Ah, uh, sorry, I left that in. <laughs> sorry, I it was my burner you. phone as well. <laughs> the hot chocolate. All right, yeah. It's. <laughs> sorry. So um, this is because uh, some researchers at the University of Washington managed to create a tiny mobile phone-like device um, that could make telephone calls without a battery. And it used, uh, it was able to passively collect electricity from surrounding EMF, uh, so surrounding electromagnetic uh, fields um, were utilised. So basically, it's absorbing different frequencies of of light in the kind of radio um, and higher. I'm trying to remember the ranges actually. Sorry. So so it's um, it's a covered little device which is able to passively collect EMF uh, and generate electricity from it to power itself. Yeah. And they've done some things with this before, but this was one where it actually worked all the time. Um, uh, so they developed a camera before, but that would like slowly soak up power and could be used occasionally to take a photo. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you can actually make a telephone call. Um, and it was the whole thing was running on like a hundred milliwatts of power, which is incredibly impressive. Mm. Um, so um, that I thought was a very clever potential system for passive electronic devices mm. for us to see in the future. It's very similar to how RFID systems work. But rather than powering just something that always just sends out a single message back, mm-hmm. um, this actually soaks up um, soaks up stuff that like the energy from Wi-Fi routers and the energy coming off mobile phone masks and just just power systems in general produce EMF, and uh, this soaks that up and is able to connect via Wi-Fi and make a telephone call using like Skype. Hmm. Um, so this isn't the sort of device that could be used. Out in the wilderness. Well, eventually they want to be able to use it in cities. So you could okay. walk around uh, and it would probably be absorbing the kind of uh, EMF bands um, as you walk around. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very exciting. Cool, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, probably a long way off before we start to see any, any eventual devices, but it was amazing research. Mm. Right, so what do we have here? Number seven, seventh of December, we have a grubby little silver spoon. Yeah, well, in is this about a royal baby? 
How dare you? I would never do a story about a royal penguin. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> silver spoon Ooh, in the mouth. That's grubby. true. No, where 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 produces silver, or traditionally would produce silver, Sheffield. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? This is, this is really where you're going this, with this. This is, this is, bear with me, people. Is it, okay. Bear with me. This is where we're going. Yes, in the general election, the people of Sheffield mm. decided that now is the time to kick out um, expert in EU trade negotiations, Nick Clegg, and replace him with Jared O'Mara. Uh, Jared O'Mara wasn't expected to win in Sheffield Hallam. Everyone sort of assumed Nick Clegg would hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it was one of the big upsets of the night. And Labour promptly sat him on the Women's and Equalities Committee. Oh, that's lovely. He must be a really... Um, a, he must be a, like a strong, outspoken feminist. He must be. Um, well, no, once he was put on that committee, comments surfaced um, historically from him, um, claiming that fat women don't deserve respect and calling gay men fudge packers. Oh, nice. Um, so uh, generally, it sounds like throughout his history, he'd been a bit of an internet troll. Well, some so what some people say, you know, people can turn uh, a new leaf. Um, however, there were also allegations about misogynistic uh, behaviour uh, just months before the election. Mm. Uh, now, Labour claims this came as a big surprise to them, but uh, I knew about the allegations because I'm on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I knew about them way back when he won the seat. Wow. Um, the Lib Dems knew about them. They just chose not to campaign on them because uh, they're just useless <laughs> at general electioning. <laughs> It's it's one thing to not run a smear campaign. It's another thing to not mention when the the you're, the person you're running against is already covered in shit. You know, like, yeah. there's a big difference of calling someone out because they're covered in shit. Um, now, why why is this an interesting story beyond the fact that Labour cocked up here by allowing a, a bit of a scumbag to be their candidate? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's interesting because the reason why he was such a poor candidate it's because the general election was called at the last minute and they just quickly shoved in someone Mm -hmm. and uh, this happened with another MP of theirs who who, uh, Emma Dent Coat who won in Kensington Uh, they never expected to win the seat of Kensington that was a big upset of the night Uh, and then straight away afterwards um, controversial remarks came out because she'd had a blog and she'd described um, a black conservative London assembly member Sean Bailey as the conservatives token ghetto boy Uh, comments like that which you know aren't the best and probably would have meant that she wouldn't have been nominated if they'd taken the time and I think I mean this really attacks the the claim that first past the post improves the quality of the actual MP (laughs) um, rather than the list system Mm. that you would have with proportional representation Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean it, it clearly doesn't when it's when it's rushed when a general election is called at the last minute you get uh, very poor candidates indeed, often winning because people still in vote predominantly along party lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'd be if you compare it with the 2015 intake, it's regarded as a very good intake because we had the fixed-term parliament then. Everyone knew when the general election was coming for five years in advance. Yep. And so there was a long time to really prep your candidates and do a long screening process. So first past the post, still letting us down in every conceivable way. Let's have a referendum about it. Oh, damn. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what are we on? Number eight? Yep. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, it's, a, it's an avalanche of as much chocolate as I want. Yep. 
<laughs> I have no idea what that's going to be. No? Well, it's, it's because... It's because uh, scientists may have created a drug delivery system that can... Oh, sorry. It's because scientists have created a drug delivery system that can melt body fat. Um, So you don't have to worry about getting fat. What? Eating too much chocolate. What? Yeah. um, This actually... uh, (laughs) Have I not heard of this one? Surely this would have been a... It's because it's only been tested in mice. Oh, jammy mice. Oh, yeah. They want to get over us with their sleek figures. Yes. Well, um... Uh, these researchers created a um, there, there have been some drugs known about for a while which can convert white uh, white fat cells to brown fat cells and what brown fat cells you can burn off white fat cells kind of shrink but they, they really resist um, being depleted um, they're essentially meant to be a permanent store uh, whereas brown fat is, is just a temporary system it's the kind of uh, brown fat is, is mostly the fat you, uh, you're born with and have you know kind of kiddie fat is brown fat and and uh in general it's meant as a temporary store and so for a while there's been drugs that convert one to the other but you can't take them uh take injections to deliver these drugs because they make you feel awful the side effects are mm. so bad and uh, it's such an invasive uh um sorry it's such a, a uh unbalancing drug it's just really not a good idea to take um apparently the side effects are pretty horrendous but if only you could get those same drugs directly into the cells or directly near the site of the fat and not be leached into the rest of the body. Because remember, we're talking about general intravenous injection. We are talking about injecting into the bloodstream, kind of hoping it gets to the necessary places. And it's not been effective um, doing that. Not only didn't turn many much fat brown, um, but also it, it gave all these side effects. So um, they've created these micro needle pads so it's it's made up of of thousands of little needles that when placed on the skin inject their contents subdermally um, into the fatty tissue that lies directly beneath the skin and that worked brilliantly yeah it was a really clever technique and it means there might be a wide range of applications uh, for delivering medicines that go to uh, specific um uh, dermal or subdermal areas however um yeah this m- immediate one obviously there's a huge amount of money to be made for anyone who can aid in in weight loss so this might probably help get the funding for future medical applications wow very interesting I look forward to seeing some sexy mice yeah but i imagine you're feeling a little fill up of chocolate by now <laughs> <laughs> i am actually gosh yeah Especially after yeah. that, after that particular almost infinite oh, supply that came out of that little slot. Yeah, I mean we've all been there. We've all gotten a bit hungry and eaten the entire advent calendar in one go. Mm-hmm. Yep, you've realised you've missed a few days, like all of December, and you decide to. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to open up mine. Let's see, 9th of December, and uh, oh, it's a tiny piece of paper here. This doesn't look like a confectionery. Just unroll it. It says, "Oh, it says fake, fake, fake." Uh, There was a white supremacist protest in Charlottesville in the United States uh, this year against a Civil War statue being taken down. Mm -hmm. Uh, It all got a bit violent and and there was uh, some tragic loss of life. Um, Donald Trump was asked to condemn the white supremacists. And he said, what I condemn is the violence that's been done by any side, by all sides in all this. Uh, No, wait, sorry, that wasn't Donald Trump. 
No, that was Jeremy Corbyn when he was asked to condemn the Venezuelan government for its violence against its <laughs> citizens. No, what, what Donald Trump said was, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry and violence on many sides, on many sides. Quite different statements there. <laughs> um, yes, no, this was not about Donald Trump. This is about the rise of the British Donald Trump. <laughs> and this is when I'm going to lose so many listeners. Um, Jeremy Corbyn uh, was using the exact same tactic to avoid condemning the IRA. Mm. Uh, when he was pressed on that, he would say, I condemn all bombing. Uh, and then he was pushed uh, to condemn the IRA. And what he said was, I condemn what was done by the British Army, as well as the other sides as well. Uh, and finally, he was uh, pushed to say, I condemn all the bombing by both the loyalists and the IRA. Um, so very similar to Trump in that he was unwilling to condemn the group that he was really quite favourable towards. Mm. Um, and why am I saying he, other than just these quotes, why am I saying that we've seen the rise of the British Donald Trump? Well, partly it's because of their own plan. The plan was, which we covered in this podcast way back when... Uh, when Jeremy Corbyn was doing really poorly in the polls, was to ape the campaign of Donald Trump. Mm. They said he, they wanted him to be the British Donald Trump. And that involves condemning mainstream news as fake news and empowering uh, extremist blogs like Squawk Box and The Canary mm. as legitimate sources of news. Mm. It involves telling their supporters outright lies, for instance, over um, tuition fees, um, leading to less impoverished... Uh, students going to university sort of outright fabrications mm -hmm. um, and uh, it involves key supporting the key supporting base deluding themselves on quite a wide scale and the m most obvious example of this is Europe uh, Remain voters overwhelmingly supported Labour in the last general election mm -hmm. and but despite this uh, the Labour leadership have been whipping their MPs to vote with the government for the hardest possible Brexit mm. at every turn and so what we have seen is a, a movement in the UK which is becoming further and further away from uh, reality and rejecting any sort of evidence to the contrary. It's a very dangerous state of mind that a party can whip itself into. Um, and it's a, it's a feedback loop, isn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, because... The more people sort of challenge you on it, the further entrenched you become. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's very difficult to try and convince a Corbynista um, that Corbyn is is uh, anti the EU, despite his voting record. Corbynista sound like to deliver a delicious cup of Corbyn. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a cup of Corbyn, please? Mm, Corbyn latte. Mm. Mm. Anyway, sorry, Corbynistas, right? Very difficult very to very uh, difficult to to convince them that he is anti EU. They seem to be thinking he's playing a sort of very clever 3D chess game. Mm. Um, which I suppose in, in a way he is, but I, I think... But on the opposite way round. Yeah, he's... <laughs> um, he may very well come out against Brexit, but I think he'll only do that if, if that is a surefire way to win the election. Uh, right. If the public overwhelmingly turns against Brexit, he may very well adopt the position if it looks like he's he's not guaranteed a win. Sure. However, what Corbyn would like, ultimately, is Brexit and a Labour big victory to implement economic reforms that would suit him, that he feels he wouldn't be able to do within the EU. Mm. Is that, do, you, do you see his opposition to the EU essentially being because it would hamper 
uh, implementation of some of his policies then? Not, funnily enough, not his current policies. So mm. the policies that were in the Labour manifesto, you could deliver them all within the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what would he want to do that is impossible within the EU? Mm-hmm. And for that, you have to get onto quite strict sort of fiscal controls, sort of very, very statist um, economic reforms. Mm. Um very socialist, not sort of social democratic policies. Uh, because, of course, you have state ownership of like the railway network and things like that in Germany. So the yes. idea that you can't do this within the EU is a nonsense. Yeah. Um, and, and France's nationalised electricity generation yeah. companies have, have been so successful, they make money as private enterprises across the rest of Europe, especially yeah. here. And, of course, the EU is, is what gives us so many protections on workers' rights mm-hmm. and things like that. So... Uh, you have to ask yourself why why was Corbyn and McDonnell against the EU for so mm-hmm. many decades, and it, it's because they, in their hearts, they would like much more much more radical left economic agenda. Uh, so we, we shall see. But it, it is certainly worrying the uh, the trend within the Labour Party at the moment. Mm. And more to come next year, I would imagine. Yikes! Number ten. Uh, a chocolate oh a passive air conditioning system it's remarkable what they can make a chocolate look like <laughs> indeed <laughs> um, so um, so you're probably asking yourself what is a passive air conditioning system a passive air conditioning system yes well I've been researching into house building so oh. I'm, I'm thinking of a passive heat recovery system but I'm guessing this isn't the story. No, no, this is the opposite. This is cooling down a building. Okay, interesting. Um, which is not so much of a problem we have in the UK, uh, whereas it is a problem in large places in the world, especially when you have office blocks and stuff, you, you have an issue of, of end up being hotter than you want it. Um, and um, generating, sorry, cooling a building down actually generates heat. And you end up generating heat in the outside atmosphere. And so it's a contributor to global warming, not only for the electricity generation that's used or whatever, or, you know, the electricity generated to use it, but also as a byproduct of making things cold. You also make things hot on the outside of the building. Like the back of your fridge. Exactly. And um, I saw an estimate. It was it was something like... Oh, I'm trying to remember the percentage of electricity. It was it was a very large percentage of electricity. I know, oh God, I think it was something like four percent of electricity um, usage is on air conditioning. I think in the United States, so it's a huge cost. And uh, researchers uh, have decided to form a company uh, because their research uh, went so well, <laughs> and they came up with some techniques for uh, passive cooling. Um, for buildings and they've created this company called Skycool to actually put this into production and the general idea is you cover the top of the roof with solar reflectors so you don't absorb any heat from the sun but also the same reflectors happen to have a material property which emits infrared at frequencies which aren't absorbed by air water the atmosphere in general and so are sent out into space the the weird thing about this is it actually can end up making the building cooler than its surroundings Mm. um and so if you pass water through this now obviously that takes some electricity you need pumps and stuff but it's relatively minimal compared to an air conditioning system you pass um a cooling fluid through uh these radiators 
and then back into the building and you'll actually get a net cooling on the building of up to five degrees Celsius. So there's no huge decrease, but you're not spending electricity doing it. You're, uh, you're, and you're not heating up the surroundings. So it's environmentally friendly um, and it costs buildings less. So I think it's a fa- yeah. fucking fabulous technology. Weirdly, if you did it enough, it would actually help combat global warming. Hmm. So if we if we did enough cities with this, mm. it would actually help reduce global warming. I mean, air, really air conditioning weird. is a massive source of energy use for America. Yes. Um, so if it can be rolled out everywhere there, that would be pretty incredible for the planet. And Australia. Ah. I mean, yeah, obviously, larger population yeah. countries like like America would be would have more impact. But I imagine uh, Australians are going to love this as well. All right. Oh yeah, I've got to go. I'm so fed up with chocolate right now. Oh, what have I got? What have I got? It's a pair of chocolate hands. This is. It's been grim this year. Um, the Harvey Weinstein scandal um, has sort of shocked well everyone and no one um, at the same time, mm. really, because um, obviously an industry that people are desperate to get into mm-hmm. and is highly competitive. Uh, is going to be rife uh, with abuse. Yeah. And um, sadly, the the past has been really catching up with everyone uh, this year. Uh, I, In many ways, it shows just how well we're doing as a society that we've progressed to the point where now it's the tipping point yes. that women can come forward. Um, and men as well, um, with uh, the tales of, of the abuse they've suffered. Um, this isn't just curtailed to um, the entertainment, and it came over here to our parliament. Mm. And we had a Westminster sexual harassment scandal where it seemed like new allegations were made every other day. There, were, there didn't seem to be any major party excluded from this. Um, mm. This seems to, to be a problem with politics itself. Um, and it's not really surprising. Um, and I want, I want people to sort of imagine what it must be like in politics where um, an allegation, even a, a, a minor allegation, could become big news mm-hmm. um, in an attempt to bring down a political figure. And so if you're working within a political party and somebody comes up to you and says, um, the MP made me feel really uncomfortable, he touched my knee, you're gonna, you're, inside you're going to be thinking, oh, can't you just let that go? Right, like the the. I mean, I'm I'm obviously not advocating that at all. No, it needs no, to be but, dealt with. But the pressure on yes. political parties, you can see is why immense. parties bury it. Yeah, because they're incentivized to do so. Yeah, and Parliament works like a series of small businesses. There's no HR department for people to go to. So the MP is your boss. They run. They run. Mm-hmm your little unit so you don't really have anywhere else to go you can Mm -hmm. go to the mp or you could complain to the mp's party Mm -hmm. and both of those have an incentive to to cover it up so right now um, parliament is is trying to figure out a new way of doing this perhaps an independent body um that can that can oversee for for workers to go to um and and new systems for political parties to sign up to Uh, it claimed a scalp in the form of michael fallon the defence secretary, Mm -hmm. who uh, resigned over unspecified possible future allegations. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he he sort of made some cryptic comments about, oh my, how times change. Uh, This was all all right when I was a lad. Um, And and then he was off. Uh, But what's really quite um, um, interesting about this particular scandal is that Michael Fallon went after a dossier was leaked 
and the dossier which was compiled by Tory whips on different possible sort of s- scandals associated with Tory MPs. And some ranged from genuine scandals um, of sexual harassment to uh, consensual affairs. Well, not even mm-hmm. affairs, consensual relationships by unmarried Right. Uh, ministers so uh, it, it was just sort of anything sexual basically um, right. that they could think of um, was on this document and must, it, was... it must have made great reading <laughs> the smut dossier <laughs> yeah what are we up to now of course this came from the whips office it was leaked mm-hmm. um, I mean it it doesn't necessarily mean any of the whips leaked it themselves. You know, perhaps it was passed around and, mm-hmm. you know, it just got out. So it came from the whips. Michael Fallon would have been advised to resign by the whips um, because they would say, well, you probably won't be able to command the respect. You should probably mm-hmm. go now while you've got some dignity. Who does Theresa May consult as to who she should replace Michael Fallon? She consults the whips. Mm-hmm. And um, who was it that she chose to replace him? Well, it was Gavin Williamson, the chief whip. <laughs> <laughs> who, who recommended himself. <laughs> so, uh, also, I, I imagine uh, the people who weren't in the dossier uh, would be the chief whips. Yes. <laughs> like, who's... He's not got any sexual scandal. <laughs> we seem to be very clean in this office. Very strange. Uh, and straight away, he's now um, Minister of Defence, and, and already he's making sort of outlandish comments to the Daily Mail about how British citizens who've gone to fight for IS should be hunted down and killed mm. um, rather than arrested. Um, really playing up to the Tory base, and he's already picking fights with other ministers. That's, so that's pr- always a story that really upsets me because uh, you hear a, a really interesting. Um, systems they've been doing in Denmark where um, uh, people who are radicalised went to fight and then were repatriated, have been encouraged to talk about their experiences to people who are uh, in danger of being radicalised mm. because they come back and they're like, it's fucking terrible, you don't want to do that. I've realised I'm Danish. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And it helps them dispel the myth that it's a good thing. Yeah. It's like, if obviously it's all bullshit. So if anyone gets exposed to this, they come back. They don't. They they literally want to come back to the to the homeland they grew up in, and and they have had an awakening from a horrific experience of being an ISIS mm-hmm. fighter. They they are not a threat. If anything, I mean, obviously they have to be vetted for doing this work, but they all do a fucking much better job at mm. preventing rad- further rad- radicalization. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, by hunting down and murdering, it's just like. It's fucking disgusting. It's an incredibly foolish comment and is pretty much just designed to win over a bit of the Tory hard right base. Uh, But the fact he's been making those comments straight out of the gate and picking fights in the cabinet shows he's got designs on Tory leadership. Mm. Uh, And so expect to see him as a possible contender when Theresa May finally topples. So So is he playing House of Cards? He certainly is. It did seem like a a recreation of House of Cards. Mm. A possible, possible replacement for Kevin Spacey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm forgotten hungry again. Yeah. All that talking. Oh, really? That talking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, ooh, mm. a delicious chocolate chip satellite. Yeah. Well, this could be all manner of things. <laughs> so this is, uh, you remember Project Starshot? Uh, billionaire Yuri Milner's project to send a one gram, approximately one gram space probes into deep space using a... They were going to fire lasers. Yeah, an orbital-based... So propel an, them along with a bar- a, uh, an array, a barrage of... Yep, lasers. lasers. Yep, to, to 
kick tiny one gram space probes out out of our solar system and to visit other solar systems at like 30 percent the speed of light no no wonder we're trying to trim down our mice so we can train them as little pilots (laughs) well um good news uh this year they've managed to get six of these little uh test chips into space oh wow great so these these were single board computers uh, single board satellites, basically, with a little uh, radio, solar panel, uh, computer processing power, and some minimal sensors. However, it's not been a huge success. They haven't been able to get much of the way of signals back from these. Uh, but it's an excellent first step um, to microsatellites. They've got a huge problem when it comes to um, getting permission to put these things in orbit because they are very very small and can't be tracked by radar so mm-hmm. pose a potential threat to other uh, other bodies that are floating around because even though they're light everything in in orbit is traveling at you know six thousand meters per second and speeds like that mm-hmm. actually no that's a uh, re-entry uh, anyway yeah they're traveling at, at, at kilometers per second wow so um, if you intersect with something traveling at those speeds in orbit it's like a bullet mm-hmm. um so we will see. However, it's really good to see them making some progress. Oh, great. And this billionaire's money is not being wasted. Right, what have I got? Oh, 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 look. 13, lucky 13. It's a chocolate penis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Oh, yep. Wow. Where did you get this? And Summers. Um, yeah, well, uh... <laughs> in political history, we currently discuss the corn laws. In future generations, they'll discuss the porn laws. Um, being passed by this government. Are they passing porn law? Well, porn well law? no. Legislation is coming in that we've, we've sort of talked about before on this right. podcast. Um, of course, we had the, the wave of restrictions on types of pornography that yes, people watch. Yes, I remember that. And what's soon to come into play is the requirement for um, age, check, age verification on uh, porn sites in the UK. <laughs> um, so expect uh, to have to give your credit card details soon to whatever sites you visit. You're going to soon be handing over all your details um, to some pornographers to then, I don't know, have hacked and end up on the black market. Yay! Um, that's rather exciting. Now, why we've already ranted about this enough times. Why is this a little bit more uh, fun? Well, it's because Deputy PM Damien Green, who is really seen as the glue holding the government together at Theresa May, side uh, he's suffering not just allegations of sexual harassment as a part of the previous story um, but allegations that he's a bit of a porn user um, back in 2008 his computer was searched by the police um, the Labour government uh, called for an investigation into possible leaks from the civil service mm. and and so they had the police raid the opposition's office which is a bit outrageous in itself really mm. that the opposition would have the police yeah looking for whistleblower material but anyway they searched it and now all these years later a police officer comes forward saying there was a lot of porn on damien green's computer and um, that he was just frequently using a lot <laughs> like between emails he was checking out porn. Now, Damien Green has said, wasn't me, Gov. <laughs> I don't even know what a boob looks like. All right. Um, so who are we to believe? Usually a politician looking at porn. Uh, 
you know, who cares? Yeah, it's a super non-story. Know, it's, yeah. it's a non-story. However, the idea that he is enjoying pornography that his government is trying to stamp out, yeah. that is interesting. That is about hypocrisy and is very much in the public interest. Now, as we record this, uh, he still has a job, but they're waiting to rule um, on the, both the porn and the allegations of sexual harassment. And his fate is very much in the balance. So by the time this podcast comes out, he might have been given the all clear. He might have been forced to resign. And if he's forced to resign, where he, as I say, he's the glue holding the government together. Uh, it throws the balance of the, of the cabinet out of whack. All kinds of mischief might be kicking off. So this, so like uh, this, like uh, whether or not we've entered into a nuclear war, would be one of those nostalgic, funny things in a week's time <laughs> that people can look back on and go, yeah. oh. <laughs> "Do you remember when?" <laughs> yeah. They, they, they yeah. don't know yet that there's no more South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, oh, that's that's really really uh, typical. Well, it was. Oh dear. I forgot what a what a what a horrific world uh, the world of politics is. Aid, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> this is why I take six months off. Okay, what do we got here? It's a oh wow themed uh, sponsored paps. It's a chocolate Tardis. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Um, so uh, I don't is this know about the the doctor was trying to escape some of the recent sexual harassment allegations by regenerating yeah. as a woman? Yeah. Absolutely, it's a very very shrewd move it was, um, it was by by the doctor. Um, yes, uh, it's been announced, and I'm pretty I'm really looking forward to it that the the doctor is regenerating uh, as uh, uh, <laughs> with two X chromosomes um, this Christmas. Um, and I, I, having seen the actress uh, in Adult Life Skills, um, I'm really sold on her abilities mm. to play Doctor Who. In fact, when I originally watched Adult Life Skills, I was kind of thinking that. Oh, wow. And cool. it was quite incredible uh, when it was announced. It kind of blew my mind. Um, uh, but what does this have to do with tech? I hear you ask. Oh, what does this have to do with tech? Well, everything. Uh, if it wasn't for <laughs> science fiction's endless barrage mm. of compelling role models, anything I'd been a programmer or or interested in the sciences i was given so many kind of awesome characters that i wanted to emulate as a kid including doctor who um that it it pushed me into the to loving those fields and so i I hope having a female role model and like the doctor will help more girls to see science as something they can explore yeah great just a, a a good news story all around yeah Mm. Yeah, obviously there were there were, there was a backlash. But I felt the backlash was actually kind of media um, trying to find a backlash. Yeah, there, I, having been on Reddit forums and and stuff, you know, for uh, you know specifically for Doctor Who, everyone was incredibly positive. There wasn't any assholes on and fucking shit turds. Mm. Um, trolling about this it was mostly i mean i say mostly it it was all positive Mm. all the stuff i read i didn't see anyone really trolling there was some um and i was going you know about losing capaldi Mm. but that was because i think he actually ended up being being liked despite what's considered a pretty bad run of stories that he's a good actor Mm. and, and was bringing a lot of meat to the to the role um but oh my god no the positive feelings i've been getting mm. from it and there's a, there's an overall vibe that 
is was the opposite of what was being reported in the media. So I, I got the sensation that 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 was um, hyped. Mm, good stuff. I mean, I still don't think I'll watch it, but <laughs> good stuff. No, it's it's not the. I, I mean, if it if it suddenly turns into a show that you'd like, uh, and and not a show that's mostly aimed at, at kids, All right. Okay. Uh, then yes, I'll let you know. Cool. But I'm not really expecting that. It still is a children's <laughs> show that I watch slightly guiltily rather than a show for adults. And I wouldn't want it to be anything less. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, it's... Uh... Um, anything else? Right. What... Where, what... what oh God, I know. <laughs> are you After are you fatigued? swallowing that chocolate penis, I'm feeling very fatigued. So let's see if... Let's hope this one's a little bit smaller. Oh, it's a chocolate shamrock. Well, that's, that's a little easier to swallow. That's, that's, that's nice. Playing up to stereotypes. So, well, it uh, depends. If it's about Ireland, it does. If it's about Belgium, <laughs> then maybe not. Uh, yes, you're right. You were focusing on the wrong aspect. You were focusing on the shape rather than the type of chocolate. It was a Belgian chocolate. Uh, and uh, no, this is uh, about the border between the Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Oh, yes. And this has, uh, I believe we talked about this way back when Brexit was kicking off mm-hmm. as a possible uh, problem yeah. for the Brexit process. And uh, recently, finally, the rest of the country is caught up <laughs> with the Remainers, who have all been sort of complaining about this since day one. Finally, the Brexiteers are like, where did this issue come from? The the Irish must have just dreamt it up, cursed them. Uh, so what is what is the issue? Well, the issue is, is that if we leave the single market and the customs union, it means that goods will uh, have different tariffs and different regulations on them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if they pass from the UK to the EU... Uh, those regulations won't match, which causes potential hazards. It means that um, one industry can undercut the other by mm-hmm. s- slashing regulation or producing things in a more dangerous way, in, mm-hmm. in a less hygienic way. Uh, and it also causes problems for yeah, the trade in general with, with uh, third parties. Mm-hmm. So if we do a trade deal with the United States and import things from them, it can then, without proper checks, cross into the EU and undermine their single market. So... Yep. If you leave the single market customs union, there has to be a border. And what we've seen develop with the presence of the DUP propping up the uh, government here in the UK, mm-hmm. the DUP being very passionately pro the United Kingdom union. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see uh, anything that weakens that. You've got a, pa- um, a paper, scissors, stone scenario going on. So the Republic of Ireland says there cannot be a border between Ireland and Northern Ireland because it violates the peace process, mm-hmm. the Good Friday Agreement. You've got the DUP saying there cannot be any kind of border between Northern Ireland and mainland UK because Mm -hmm. that sort of violates what they care most about, which is the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And you've got the government of the UK saying there absolutely has to be a border between the UK and the EU because we want to leave the customs union. Mm -hmm. Uh, All three of these things cannot exist at the same time. Uh, And it's it's caused an awful lot of head scratching because... uh, Everyone keeps sort of insisting it has to work and nobody can really come up with a, a reason uh, that it can. Uh, mostly, everyone just wants someone else to take the blame, mm-hmm. basically. Somebody wants someone else to say, OK, yeah, there's got to be a hard border. And of course, there's another aspect to this, which is about freedom of movement. As soon as you have a border and border control, you make freedom of movement much more difficult. And up until now, one of the greatest... Uh, um, one of the greatest releases of tension in Ireland has been a 
a free border that allows people to cross. That that over time means that people mix and they know each other and it melts tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and so putting up a new border will create more tension in a divided island. Whereas it was all, I mean, yes, they were governed differently, but they, you could move between it. What matters for individuals and civilians is whether, you know, you can go and take a day trip somewhere, whether you can take, go for a few hours and do something different. That's what creates that intermixing. Um, And unfortunately, yeah, that this, this puts a terrible dampener on that. In many ways, this has become the most tricky aspect of Brexit. And it's it's such a shame that during the actual referendum campaign, it was pretty much ignored as an issue. Um, John Major and Tony Blair tried to drag attention to it. Because they both had to work really hard to to (laughs) break down those tensions and and stop the violence. And they did a freaking good job. It was about like... (laughs) Like... That 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 is to both of their credits, yeah. um, and and my God, to think we could take a step back is madness. Yeah. I, and nobody paid any attention to them. I mean, in fact, I, I'm pretty sure journalists didn't bother pressing record on their cameras. They just sort of humoured, humour them. Oh, they're ex prime ministers. They're mad. <laughs> yeah, yes, John, it's recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh, all right, and we have <laughs> the chocolate debate. I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> Why a chocolate debate, Adrian? Why do you have problems? Oh, two two little chocolate figures talking to each other. No, that's two chocolate figures talking to each other, Adrian. No, no, I'm I'm talking about the manifestation of an abstract concept as a ch- in a chocolate. When you, that's two wow. little figures are just wow. two people. You yeah. you must have grown up with some expensive advent calendars. My friend. <laughs> you don't have it's abstract chocolate. You don't you don't have that? Okay, what's the debate? Um, well, this isn't a, an a debate. This is for debates in general. Uh, it's a website I discovered recently uh, called Kylo, which I think might be named after the Star Wars character. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, seen it's it. spelled uh, K-I-A-L-O, uh, Kylo.com. And... They are making an honest attempt to try to make debate more productive online. Blimey. We, yeah, exactly, yeah. Is this by destroying the internet? <laughs> Is it by installing electric collars around everyone's necks? And every time you say something hurtful, it electrocutes you? Nice. Um, no. Poor Jared O'Mara. <laughs> um, no, uh, it's a website uh, that tries to bring more reason and rationale to online debates by creating a uh, branching tree structure to debates. So it starts with a, a an initial premise, just like a just like genuine normal real world debates. You've got here's a proposition, and then we're going. We have a, a for side and an, an against side, and anyone can contribute to the for or against side. What makes it slightly unusual is it's able to go very deep by having a branching system so you have the the top level of individual arguments uh, that either um agree with or uh, go against the premise um, but each of those sub arguments can then be broken down into a bunch of for and against about whether those arguments are valid or invalid and it produces kind of overall scores and there was an interesting one uh, that someone's posted up now at the moment 
there's not a huge number of users. And so a lot of them are kind of like Wikipedia entries. They're written by one person who's kind of debating themselves huh. and trying to be rounded. Um, but at least they're leaving them open. The whole point is then that it can be contributed to. Um, I don't know how they're going to prevent trolling of this system, but it seems like something that could be what managed to a level of kind of like Wikipedia-like. Hmm. Um, but they had one on uh, universal basic income. Oh, interesting. And it was looking about 60% for... Um, and, and that's not a voting system. It's like 60% positive arguments um, or 60% solidity in the argument as opposed to 40% mm. against. So it was, it was, it was, it, it was nice because you get to read all of the pros and cons. And then if you think, oh, well, that doesn't sound right. And you go and you can go into sub arguments and see the breakdowns mm. of points on that. So I was really yeah. honestly, I was impressed. And that's yeah. why I'm bringing it up because you very rarely see something, someone doing something new in the world of, of reasoned debate. <laughs> Definitely pulling against the tide. Man. Yes, I think that's exactly what they're trying to do, is yeah. trying to stop the tide. Nice, nice. Maybe it might be a little um, uh, King Frukish. Mm-hmm. Um, they may be just wading into the waters, shouting at the sea for being a dick. But um, <laughs> we'll see. Right, what chocolate have you got for me uh, it's this not, time? It's not a chocolate. Oh my God, it's a, it's a, it's a whole sausage, but it's broken. Why yes. is this sausage in two pieces? Well, uh, <laughs> I really like the acting there. You really, you, you were emoting there very well. Is it? Why was? Why would I be acting? <laughs> Re- really, the response is there's a, there's a sausage in my advent calendar. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be silly. I've been advocating sausages in advent calendars forever. You and Harry Hill <laughs> sausage. Um, there were many reasons why the government shouldn't have triggered Article 50 when they did. Uh, one of them was the French elections were coming up, which mm-hmm. means that, you know, everything gets put on pause. And the other one was the German elections, which did finally come along this year. Uh, and rather interestingly, uh, Angela Merkel didn't do very well. She lost an awful lot of seats and uh, was ended up in a, in a hung parliament. Oh. Uh, uh, there was a rise in... The alternative for Deutschland, a uh, nasty, very hard right group. Um, mm. They were very much capitalising on her letting in Syrian refugees. Um, but probably what's gotten her most in trouble is uh, she's struggling to find a coalition partner. Oh. And that's because the last three... She needs to go on coalition Tinder. <laughs> well, she would have been blacklisted for uh, poor behaviour on coalition Tinder. Oh. The last three coalition partners she's had have been utterly devastated in the elections <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> she's it's, a heartbreaker. So, um, so I mean, it's, it's like if someone tried to form a coalition with the Lib Dems now, uh, mm. they'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> nah. <laughs> Not a chance. Um, in fact, there is an apocryphal tale that prior to the 2010 election, David Cameron, um, at a... Uh, at a big uh, state event spoke to Angela Merkel and she was talking to him about the upcoming 2010 elections and he said I'm worried I won't win a majority by the way the polls are looking and she told him ah well what you do in the event of a hung parliament is you go into coalition with a smaller party and then you fuck them (laughs) (laughs) well that's a nice apocryphal tale there I like that uh, might be true might be simply apocryphal fuck them right in the (laughs) arse Make them Auntie, squeal. Note that down. <laughs> oh, thank you, Angela. That's uh, that's. I wasn't expecting that. Um, 
and uh, and she's still struggling. So it just goes to show that in in democracies we might need to start not punishing the smaller party quite so badly for coalitions mm. because what happens in the end is you stop having coalitions and then democracy starts grinding to a halt. Right. Coalitions are incredibly important for democracy to function. Yeah, especially as it means that more people are have their views reflected in the final parliaments. Mm. That's the thing I don't understand why why people are against mm. uh coalitions. Um when you when you spin compromise as weakness rather than benefiting the whole, which mm. is the whole point of parliaments. It's supposed to be trying to find the best way for everyone. Mm. At least with the the you know trying to do the most good for the most people. Yeah. That's exactly what surely but unfortunately think... that, that because of our uh tribal yeah. nature uh, we're, we're shown oppos- opposing parties as enemies yeah. rather than people we're supposed to collaborate with. I think we're still, as a species, we're thinking of democracy as a way of doing warfare peacefully mm. rather than collaboration and, and finding middle grounds and, 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 and bringing society in the direction as a whole. And don't don't get me wrong, there are definitely parties that should be ignored by other parties that be, should be mm. shunned because they have evil views. They have mm. views that are so on the fringe that they will do, they do serious threat mm. to people in society. And so it is easy to justify shunning them. Mm. What's crazy is if those guys get a look in uh, um, uh, from populism and things like that. Meanwhile, um, compromising parties who are willing to, to negotiate what they want are getting sidelined as being seen as weak. It's it, it's like the opposite direction that we mm-hmm. should be going in. <sighs> so, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so what's next? It is uh, on number eighteen, uh, chocolate thirty four. Mm, yes. Is this the answer to everything? Uh, this is kind of the answer. Internet's answer to everything, which is rule thirty four. <laughs> uh, you familiar with rule thirty four? Yes, you are. You are, but you just forgot it. Okay, what is rule? Rule 34 is the internet um, ultimate uh, rule where everything goes, everything becomes porn. Everything is porned, <laughs> right? Every, every There is a porn for everything. Every, okay, okay. Everything goes towards porn. Right. Uh, that is rule 34. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I wasn't familiar with if there's If there's a thing, there'll be porn of it. Right. That's rule 34. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know which yeah Damien Green discovered mm-hmm. exactly um, this this uh, was more of the I I you've you brought up sex far earlier than me so I feel a little outdone in this because you've come as like <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't willing to wait till 34 yeah exactly you I, weren't willing uh, to, I was picking this way down on the list um, and I'm even embarrassed to bring this one up but I'm bringing it up because firstly Technically incredible, and secondly, deeply worrying and troubling, uh, on two fronts. So it's a real, it's a real jammy dodger. Uh, but mm. the jam is, um, y- you know, some human flesh. Oh. Well, I'd still try. <laughs> I'm not keen on when they they do these sort of branching out biscuits. Yeah, yeah, like experimenting with new stuff. But I suppose I will try it. <laughs> I'll probably get a normal packet of jammy dodgers as well. <laughs> They're pretty cheap. Yeah, and they do do like two for one offers yeah. with mixed yeah. mixed range. It's human flesh, eh? Um, so uh, a Reddit user has been posting uh, fake celebrity porn videos. Sure, old as time. 
Um, well, not all this time. Well, that's the thing. We we <laughs> obviously photo photoshopped celebrity porn video uh, porn images have been around for as long as I can remember on the internet. They've they've been always been a thing. Um, this is um, this is quite impressive on a technical front. It's using uh, off the shelf AI libraries um, to analyze people's faces and then autonomously substitute one face for another hmm. um and so this user is called deep fakes and is using using deep ai deep learning hmm. techniques to train neural networks to able to imitate faces mm-hmm. um and so they're, they're using these cutting edge tools and they're not in considerable skill uh, to produce some really highly worrying videos. And I think what upset me most is that rather than going for, you know, just... I, I If they'd done a mix of faces of different genders and different people uh, trying to sh- highlight the what could be done, because they are at least being honest, you know, they're, they're, they aren't developing this and then selling it as a black market technology. They are just being like, oh, look what I can make. Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of, you know technological enthusiasm from this person however they have chosen to use young actresses very young actresses uh and that is what was really upsetting i was like oh god no why why are you doing this um so if it wasn't bad enough that actresses are are uh, sexualized, even teenage actresses sexualized um, online in, in the press. Now we've got someone actually generating fake porn with their faces, um, and this these techniques are autonomous. The whole point is they could be done en masse, yeah. and they put so so the there's this thing is what can you trust? You know, in terms of real video, when will we stop being able to tell the difference? Um, because at the moment you can still tell, but it's on the cusp. Mm. Um, when this gets fully trained, you won't be able to tell the difference, and then secondary problem is what are we doing what are we what are we glamorizing what are we uh celebrating what we're celebrating is really deeply disturbing so in the same same you know month that we've got these Roy Moore allegations I'm seeing uh this really worrying pornography and and then yeah, that's, that's, and that's, that's um it's, it's I, I but it so I has as you this kind of neatly gets connects to your story earlier. <laughs> it does, it does actually, and I my chocolate selection. Um, I will admit has been relentlessly pessimistic, uh-huh. and now I'm going to put a positive spin on your negative pessimistic All, story. Almost only single pessimistic yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Um, and that is that this is going to be a, a painful process with horrible videos like this. But the place where we'll end up in is a society where pornographic videos will no longer be um, shameful in any kind of way for people hmm. because they will simply be so prevalent. Uh, and it would be ki- kind of like um, a society adjusting to no longer wearing veils. You know, people would just be used to seeing each other's faces. Right. It would no longer be a source of shame uh, because we are going to move into a kind of society, for better or for worse, where you will be able to take anyone's image. You'll be able to, the the person that you meet 
Mm. at work you'll be able to get their image and you'll be able to put it on pornography and you'll or create a digital sprite that is lifelike of them mm. and you'll be able to enter VR porn <laughs> and have sex with your colleague you know I mean it's going to be so constant and freely accessible that uh, the whole thing is going to lose any sense of taboo or shame but there is a psychological damage that people can't get used to um to having it it is deeply upsetting for people to to have um to, to have to be kind of have falsehoods about them created oh of course i i and i'm saying it's going to be a very painful process to get to this place mm. but once we finally get to the place no pornography will be believed. <laughs> like, it, yeah, but it's it won't, still, it but it's not be... about necessarily belief. It's still, it's still creepy and upsetting. Yeah, to... but once, 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 once you've seen uh, uh, a thousand videos of yourself as the sprite in it, and a thousand videos of everyone else, you know, <laughs> then, then at a certain point, you're going to become numb, and we as a society will become completely numb. That sounds like a dark, dark place. Well, after the last couple of years of politics, I that is a positive spin. <laughs> Where's that chocolate Where's gun? That... <laughs> <laughs> Where's that chocolate? Damn it, I ate it. Yeah. Yeah, you... <laughs> I think I need to creep in and take over the writing of Black Mirror for a while. Yeah, well, you know... I don't think Brooker goes nearly dark enough. It's <laughs> well, worse. <laughs> All right, I'm going to open up this another another window here. Don't, don't worry, don't people. Inside. The misery's going to be so bad you won't even notice it. <laughs> you won't know it's wrong anymore. Um, so, oh, it's a little toy chocolate aeroplane. Yeah, isn't that sweet? Oh. That's for you to play with. Oh God, it's lost. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's oh, blown up. Oh, oh. Stupid little storylines. Um. This is about our former Secretary for State of International Development, Priti Patel. Um, It came out rather late in the year that she had been holding secret meetings with representatives of the Israeli government, um, including their Prime Minister, while she was on holiday without the knowledge of the Foreign Office. Mm. Um, So essentially, she'd been conducting her own foreign policy um, behind everyone's back, um, which uh, was sort of treated as a gaffe. I'd call it treachery. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, fair enough. This was actually... Well, it depends if it was a dinner or like high-level meetings. Um, yeah, I mean, it, was, it, wasn't, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like an informal dinner. It was being taken to see um, Israeli settlements that the UK government refuses to acknowledge wah, as wah. legitimate. Oh. Uh, um, and um, she was uh, suggesting to them that she could use some of her budget to help pay for their army in these places for sorting out aid there. So um, oh. it was certainly pretty dodge. Uh, and she was she rightly had to resign. Uh, why is this a fun story? Well, because it was one of those few moments when the British public can all come together because she was called back from a, a, a trip to Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she had to fly home to be made to resign. And so everyone in the UK got very excited and, and 
I think 20,000 people all at the same time were watching the online flight tracker as the <laughs> plane slowly moved across as everyone was waiting for her to get back to be fired. Um, and it was, it, was, it was like a snow day, you know, when everyone's just generally happy about, <laughs> about this sort of shared misfortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was like that. It was very nice. Um, it was also, it worked as a bit of a distraction because earlier that week, all the attention had been on Boris Johnson's. Uh, foreign office, foreign office Gaffs. scandal, yes. gaff that saw a British citizen, um, Zagari Ratcliffe, uh, possibly have her sentence in Iran um, extended by about five years due to him misspeaking um, oh about what she'd been doing in Iran um, and falsely suggesting she'd been teaching journalists. Mm. Um, should he have resigned? Yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, and then, funny enough, uh, a couple of days later, this information came out hmm. um, about... Uh, Pretty Patel, who works under him. Oh, in the, uh... do you think this was a deliberate move to throw her under the bus so Boris got to... <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. God. <laughs> oh, he is a nasty piece of work. It's astonishing. We seem to have moved into a, a, a state now where people can be dreadful and just not so... have to resign. Mm, okay. Like okay. Ah, oh, mm. a chocolate tumour. You're welcome. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. <laughs> it is still chocolate. This was my favourite story of the year, actually, that they've managed to turn tumours into chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Not only is it combating cancer, but in a delicious way. Yeah, exactly. The problem is they stay in the body. <laughs> well, um, until they're removed, you have to well, you have to surgically remove. Well, and so now if I'm I see into someone... a tiny little box with uh, with with each of the. You know, yeah, but now, now it's like the streets. It's like Walking Dead. Like people are just chomping into each other in the hope of getting some chocolate. It's disgusting. People walking and, up and down wards. Yeah, I, mean, I sunk my teeth into someone's nice juicy tumor, and it turned out it was a cream egg, <laughs> and that's really painful on my teeth. So there's no warning as to what type of chocolate. Yeah, there's I, no warning as to whether it contains nuts, whether it's caramel, whether it's really sweet. Um, whether it's white chocolate and some people really don't like white chocolate Paul no my story next (laughs) (laughs) so what what really happened in addition to that um (laughs) god (laughs) there has been a successful treatment of blood cancer that is being moved forward by the FDA as the American federal um, drug and, and no, so the food and drug administration, uh, not federal. So the American food and drug administration are, are allowing up for further trials, broader trials for a cancer treatment that uh, is incredibly effective. Uh, at the moment it's for treating blood cancers, which are also very dangerous a particularly nasty cancer because you can't just take it out mm. um they um and if they don't respond to um chemotherapy uh, it's it's pretty much a lost cause and this is produced in one study 83 percent survival rate um yeah. on and these are terminal patients these are patients who are who who every other treatment has failed and that they're allowed to take these more experimental uh, treatments now that's opening up to a, a wider set of people um and uh, this technique is kind of brilliant it basically involves extracting the blood 
uh, from the patient. Uh, not all of it, obviously, you need some. Uh, to extracting a large amount, um, filtering out the white blood cells, reprogramming the white blood cells with a new type of antigen, uh, a synthetic antigen, um, customized for that cancer, and then re-injected back into the patient, which um, these white blood cells then go around and eradicate the cancer. It's dangerous, it does produce uh, some nasty side effects, but they're short-term, and when it does work, in the case where it does work, it's like 100% remission. Hmm. And the great thing is, it's self-reproducing. So once you have it, you kind of theoretically only need it once. Wow. Yeah, so I was pretty excited, because it's nice to see cancer treatments, as it kills yeah. roughly 15% of the world's population. Oh. The more we improve health, the more people are dying of cancer, because mm-hmm. you've got to die of something. Um, mm. and, uh, and cancer is a big blocker to, mm. to human health. So it's a really fa- fan- fabulous thing. Mm. Great technique. Good news. Yep. Yep. Better finish that book. Yes. <laughs> yes, before it all becomes totally irrelevant. Um, great. So what have I got? Uh, ooh, ooh, a little box here. And it's oh, finally something normal. It's a piece of fudge. Mm. What could mm. that be? Mm. Yes, we began... Uh, the first chocolate was the triggering of Article 50, beginning the negotiations. Yeah. And just a week or so before recording this, the government finally finished phase one of those negotiations. What was phase one? Well, that phase one was the EU demanding that we sort of resolve uh, sort of divorce matters, mm-hmm. essentially, sort of getting out rather than we discuss sort of where we're going to end up. And way back when this began, the EU said they would want a divorce bill of around 40 billion uh, euros. Um, they said they wanted the EU citizens' rights recognised and uh, they wanted uh, some sort of indication as to what is going to be the situation in Northern Ireland. And our government said we wouldn't have to deal with any of this and they certainly wouldn't get any money. Boldly, at the end of the year, after lots of intense negotiation, we agreed to recognise the EU citizens' rights and we agreed uh, to some kind of regulatory alignment in Ireland and we agreed to pay about €40 billion. Euros. <laughs> So we boldly gave them what they wanted. Um, Very bold. Which we could have done uh, nine months ago. Um, <laughs> uh, the money issue. Now, there have been lots of different figures thrown around mm. on this, um, ranging from uh, $20 billion to $100 billion. Um, And it's because we don't really know what the money's going to be. And the EU is simply interested in processes of how you reach the figures. Mm-hmm. So what, what what projects are you going to agree to be funding, toward, right. putting funding towards? Uh, generally, from what's been agreed, it looks like it's going to be between 40 and 50 billion, but um, there's also contingency pots built into this, which the UK press and the UK government aren't mentioning because um, we're hoping those contingency aren't needed. But if they are required, which is incredibly uh, likely, then it will go up to about 60 billion, oh, something God. like that. Um, and paid out over how long a period of time? It will be quite stretched out. Um, so it's like alimony. Yeah, basically. Mm, nice. yeah, we'll, we'll be paying this for quite a long time. Okay. In the broad scheme of things, it's not much. It's a lot, but in the broad scheme of things, it's not much. Um, it's kind of like uh, gym membership. Um, we can easily ignore it. It will come out of our bank account each month for a very long time. But in this scenario, we've quit the gym um but and we've got to wait for the we've membership got to, to wait expire. and it's yeah. going to be a few years before we can. that's we, where it's we, could have, we could have continued going to the gym for those years 
um, that we've got to keep paying it and, and gotten ourselves nice and healthy. But no, we, we're going to not go to the gym and still pay. So what a, what a wonderful deal that turned out to be. <laughs> now, Northern Ireland, the question of the border, this is where the fudge comes in. Hmm. Um, what we came up with was to assure Ireland that we would have regulatory alignment with Ireland. So any any regulations going on, we're going to have the same regulations. So we're pulling out of the single market and the customs union, but we're going to do exactly the same as if we were in it. <laughs> <laughs> and we've <laughs> assured the DUP that the regulation in Northern Ireland will be the same as the rest of the UK. So there won't be there won't be any divergence there. So is this a soft Brexit? no one really knows because at the same time we're also assuring the Brexiteers Mm -hmm. that we're leaving the customs union we'll be able to strike our own deals Mm -hmm. it's just the deals will require exactly the same regulations as Europe (laughs) which doesn't really make sense so the whole thing is kind of unravelling and at the moment it's just a load of fudge well because the good news about this is it'll be make joining the EU in 10 years time really easy because we'll have all our regulation already in line be perfect yeah it will be much faster yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're entering pretty absurd territory now because if mm-hmm. we're leaving the EU to set our own regulations and those regulations that we're going to set are aping the EU's, mm-hmm. that's pretty silly. Because yeah. um, Brexit has advantages. I mean, there are genuine advantages and those advantages are pursuing radically different regulation, mm-hmm. probably in a much more right-wing sort of Republican-style, US Republican-style economics. You- um, which, yeah, I, we're not necessarily in favour of, but it's, it could be an advantage. And if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to start importing chlorine chicken, then what's the point? Oh, man, no more chlorinated chicken. I know, I know. I was all set. I'll just have to take my chicken to the swimming pool. <laughs> Get in the pool. <laughs> Get in there. Mm. <sighs> right. Oh, brilliant. My favourite. A chocolate VR headset. Yeah. Now, the biggest problem with this is melting. Yeah, it's melting on your face, on face. right now, in fact. Yeah. I can already see it yeah. start to trickle down yeah. down your, your yeah. lower face. But as it trickles down, it actually will naturally go towards your mouth. So mm. you can actually just kind of lick it up. Lick it up as it, as it drips down. Obviously, not the stuff that's falling onto your shirt yeah. and everything. No, everywhere it's else. getting in my eye. Well, that's all right. Uh, yeah. Just chocolate vision. Chocka mm. chocka vision. A chocka vision. vision. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I hate us right now. <laughs> this podcast got on too long. <laughs> okay. I feel like we're on one of those. VR. So yeah, this is about so... the, I uh, presumably about all the exciting VR headsets that we've had uh, recently and what's coming <laughs> forward. Or is it not about this entire? Well, because no, there aren't really any exciting VR headsets, in my opinion. In my opinion. So the, all the headset announcements. I mean, it's good for me because the investment I made in the HTC Vive, mm-hmm. it's still the best headset. Huh. I haven't. It hasn't been invalidated. Right. Uh, in in fact, it's only got better because there's been a whole bunch of upgrades mm. that I've I've bought, including an audio strap, which has been fab. Mm. Like the advanced audio strap is what should have come out on the original one, and it's a shame I had to spend almost a hundred pounds <laughs> adding it on. But I love it, and and I play it inc- like ridiculously regularly. And the there hasn't been good desktop VR systems to replace the Oculus, which is also quite old now and 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 the vibe so they're both 
getting on a bit um, without any any decent replacements. I'm fine because I have one, so it's great. And they're still being purchased, and the price has only come down. Um, however, all of the new headsets are mobile-based, including ones which are basically standalone headsets. Um, however, they're using a mobile phone, using mobile phone technology to power them. So they're just glorified phones inside mm. of a headset. And I don't like it because the quality, mm. you need high resolution graphics and you need a lot of processing power to do decent things. And if you don't have hand tracking, it's not VR for me. Like mm. if you just have a city controller um, with one on one hand uh, that doesn't know your the position of your hand, only the rotation, that for me is is a, a quarter of an experience. Um, and I... I I feel it's a shame because it's mis-selling to the public. It, it's giving you like something that's going to be ultimately disappointing. Yes, it costs um, two thirds of the price of the Oculus, um, or in um, in the case of one, or actually almost the same price as the Oculus. It's kind of crazy, um, but I, yeah. And the new Microsoft uh, uh, augmented reality headset, really plasticky, not worth it. I think it's made by Acer, and the tracking on that is really naff as well. Oh, no, yeah. I'm I'm still think the Vive and, and the Oculus are stand out the only real reasons to get VR and particularly the Vive with its room space mm. room scale movement is so much better than mm. um, the Oculus is kind of slightly more complicated if you want room scale for Oculus you've got to get three cameras which is for three high speed USB ports and it starts getting really complicated mm. very quickly however I do like still like the Oculus for its optics but uh, no no what's been really good in VR is the games coming out. Mm. So um, the last few months have seen the rollout of uh, not just a bunch of of new indie games, um, but a bunch of old AAA games that have been remade for VR. That includes Skyrim VR, um, Doom VR. Uh, Now the Doom one is is interesting because it's like they've used the engine, but they made whole new levels for the VR version because they were customizing it f- for better play in VR. So they've they've done a whole bunch of specific level design for the Doom version. Um uh, LA Noir VR. Oh you look at you shrugging. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that one because it's cinematic. Um you get to use the idea of the experience the idea of the game was to read people's faces to uh-huh. see if they're lying and they spent an awful lot of money on uh-huh. on ex- like expensive technology to record people's faces. So I'm hoping the VR version should really help actually aid the story in solving crimes. Um, and Fallout 4 VR, which whoop came whoop. out just yesterday whoop whoop. and I have played and it's freaking awesome. I was initially a bit worried because I actually played it at midnight and uh, it was a bit blurry. And I thought, is it me? Is the render scale wrong? What's, why is the, why is it a bit blurry? It looks a bit funny. And I didn't post any forums or anything. I was like, oh, you know, I'll just sleep on it because I was going to work on the next day. They'd released a patch <laughs> <laughs> uh, fixing that blurry issue. And it was it was just a, a, a mistake someone had made where it was slightly proportional to your monitor. So if you had a like a, well, pretty much all, all normal monitors, unless it was a really high 4K monitor, you were going to end up with uh, a bit of downscaling. Yeah. Um even though the monitor shouldn't be any any yeah. relevant part of the pipeline, huh. it was accidentally taking a value from the wrong place, um, and so they seem to have fixed that. So I'm 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 really looking forward to spending some time in the new year, just playing all of Fallout Four because wow. I haven't played Fallout Four. Five million people bought that game, and I've waited for the VR version to nice. come out. So nice. uh, yeah, fab. 
Almost there. Almost there, Paul. Yep. Almost, Almost there. there, audience. Well done. Well done on sticking with us. And the final, well, the 23rd yep. chocolate yep. is... Oh, uh, I think I think it's another piece of fudge. Uh, try it. Oh, no, no, it's a poo. Okay. Yep. It's a big yep. turd. Why, yep. why, have, why have you left a turd in my advent calendar? Because <laughs> it was finally time to look at Donald Trump. <laughs> I've been trying to veer away from him uh, time and again probably because he gets so much attention mm-hmm. uh, and and he gets uh, all of I hope all of our listeners are watching uh, comedians such as John Oliver and Stephen Colbert who are you know holding him to account in very humorous ways yep. um, so please keep an eye on them um, and it's just so depressing discussing anything he's done really uh ranging from the the attempts to ban muslims from entering the country his failure as we discussed to condemn white supremacy the general chaos within the white house and the staff who have either been fired or forced to resign uh the tweets with north korea inching us closer to armageddon him selling off national parkland to to uh, mining strip mining companies um, bringing in tax cuts for only the very wealthiest in the society um, and cutting health care from uh, including from impoverished kids um, drilling in the Arctic, cuddling up to despots like Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines. Pretty much everything the man does is revolting and depressing. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, please do bear in mind that when you look at him, he is not a Hitler figure. He is like a Mussolini figure, mm. someone who desperately wants to be a fascist dictator because he likes the clothes and the cars and mm. and wants and, to yeah, stand being tall. Scared of him and powerful, yeah. But everyone remember, he's not an impressive figure. He's a quite sad and pathetic figure who who isn't in full control of his own mm. faculties. And what we are seeing from the Mueller investigation, whether or not it actually brings him down, it is sort of looking like it might sow the seeds that bring him down. Mm. You know, he he might start taking very foolish actions to try and cover up something or um, perhaps to uh, avoid prosecution of people close to him. Mm-hmm. And they might try and bend the rules over. Uh, and so will he make it to the to the end well it's starting to look a bit more doubtful especially if uh republicans are losing in places like alabama because mm. it all it all just requires the republican majority to be stripped away and then impeachment can begin uh, but i think it's pretty clear now that this is the worst president america's ever had yeah um, and he had a little bit of competition but really he's streets ahead yeah it's that like intoxicating mix of incompetence and villainy mm. that is quite quite remarkable. I didn't, yeah. But I think he is a reflection of the current American psyche. He is a manifestation of the dark place they've gone to, and if it, it's kind of make or break, it's the yeah. the fever dream of America in the in the deepest of of this illness, and they it may help turn them around. It may wake them up. When things get really bad, it can be a wake-up call. Also, it can be the, you know, the spiralling yes, um, if... of, of of a country falling into into a quagmire. But 
I, I think it is very similar to uh, what you saw in the Nixon era, which is um, a cultural group throwing their toys out the pram because they know that they're being consigned to history. Mm. And I think this is happening again with the Trump. And I think the next president you see after this one, um, perhaps the next but one, if he's impeached, mm-hmm. um, will be uh, a very progressive and will enact some proper reforms in America. Um we shall see. Mm-hmm. On this, I am positive. So, Christmas Eve. Yes. So the final, final chocolate. Oh my goodness! And they've ah, oh, this is a beautiful chocolate. Good. This has been very well crafted. It, it is, is elegant, isn't it? Chocolate double helix. Yeah. And it's gone. <laughs> you always wonder about making chocolate it's mostly like a fancy air. art. Yeah, it's mostly air. Wow, it's actually mostly junk, mostly junk DNA. <laughs> it's so, nicer to look at. Yeah, it was no, nice. just often yeah. the way with chocolate. Yeah. Um. So, you're gonna have to yeah. hand me one of your tumors instead. <laughs> I'm still hungry. Do you know? Do you know what this is gonna be about? No. It's okay. Well, it, it's it, revisiting a previous story. Uh, you're in between three and me, and I went through the genetic analysis service, 23 mm-hmm. and me. Well, uh, they've been joined not only by Ancestry.com, uh, but also by FamilyTreeDNA.com and Genos.co. Genos.co is like the really fancy one. If, you, if you've got $600 to spend on genetic analysis, those guys look freaking awesome, mm-hmm. but ouch. And I finally took the plunge. Uh, I went with Ancestry because they, uh, based on their current information that they have uh, it would provide some maybe important information about m- one of my grandparents who I don't know about mm-hmm. uh, we have a, a question mark grandparent in my family mm-hmm. uh, so it'd be interesting to find out uh, a little bit about him frog DNA uh, possibly just spliced frog DNA yeah. yes because they <laughs> um, um, uh, so we already know about those, but did you realise there's been an explosion in secondary websites for people who've had genetic analysis? No. This is quite cool. So uh, basically, um, because the data you get can be reused, um, once you've had the service done, uh, you could ask for that data and then send it to other people for other types of information. So there's uh, with like specific information, not just regarding health, but regarding... Um, predisposition um uh for you know predisposition for lots of different things um um you know your basically the latest science genetic scientific research you can use your test results to get feedback about those as as they come in um now obviously a lot of this stuff (laughs) So this, this is a total wild west at the moment it's, it's not properly regulated and it may be a really good era f- because of that because uh, these companies are allowed to offer services directly to you the consumer once you have the, the genetic information and the markers you can then s- send that information to these other companies so there's uh, Prometheus uh, Prometheus sorry dot com uh, DNS land DNA land right DNS land uh, DNA dot land uh, gedmatch.com ohmygenes.com geneticgenie.org uh, interpret interpretome.com uh, infino.me and genomap with two, two p's.com mm. um, 
And a whole there's even more. That's mm. that's just the top ones I could find. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my graphics cards. You can <laughs> um and they will um they you could basically find out even more information about yourself. And there's there's like whole uh, subreddits for uh trying to improve your health that based on nutrition specifically tailor made for your DNA and wow. things like that. So um uh, and there's also ones for for genetic predispositions for like dopamine levels and stuff. So diets based on on your predisposition for generating certain uh, neurochemicals and hormones. Um, Very interesting. It's it's great. It's a, it's like a total at the moment. It's really democratized because you've got all these companies who who just want to make it as easy as possible for people to access. Mm. There's this is a hugely personal information. And it is a bit nuts that we're just sending them around. This information is bouncing around. But on the other hand, we share this information with people all the time. We just don't have a way of analysing it. Hmm. But, you know, your chromosomes are shared with other people. You share your chromosome. Your chromosome elements are, are inherited from your parents. So, you know, all of those chromosomes are in you are in one of your parents. So when you share that information, you're also sharing your parents' information. Um, but also those chromosomes turn up in other completely you know, straight, complete strangers to you. So there's, um, the, it, it's difficult to think in terms of privacy when it comes to DNA. Um, and I, to be honest, we haven't even developed the mind forms necessary to really think about, um, uh, the nature of, of, well, I know one thing you can't model it like possessions. You can't think of these as possessions. You don't own them. You were born with them. They were given to you. They're a gift from humanity. And they are shared with a great number of people. Unless you have some specific mutation, um, and most of us don't have many mutations in our DNA. Most of the most mutations do absolutely nothing. And, mo- and, and out the rest tend to do something bad. And only a very thin sliver of mutations do something useful. So, um, you know, the, it, looking at this, it's a landscape. And I consider it a commons, a genetic commons. And I think we need to start thinking about the world as as a, a genetic commons because the idea of ownership is repulsive to me for, for gen, our DNA. Um, so I would like to see that reflect in a society. And this is the kind of unregulated grassroots version yeah. of that where it's, hell, here's everything we've discovered so far in research uh, mixing with all of the information that we're now able to get from genetic analysis. And this stuff is only going to get more accurate. We're starting to see um, mitochondrial services being added to these packages. So you can get your um, your mother's mitochondria an- analysed. So your, your mitochondria always comes from your mother. Um, doesn't matter your gender. It will always go down the matriarchal line. So that analysis is purely male. And you're also seeing specific Y chromosome analysis services, which is a bit like measuring the smallest, most pointless bit of DNA in our genome. Uh, the Y chromosome is the smallest chromosome, um, embarrassingly, uh, for men. Um, <laughs> the X chromosome is much larger. Mm. Um, the Y chromosome is due to a particular um phenomena has been shrunk right down um and and so it's it's minimized uh, it's compact and the idea is it provides all the necessary information to generate uh, a phallus and that's about it and and to to any any um sexual dimorphism is a byproduct of both the x chromosomes difference to the y and and Mm. so on so forth so but anyway these y um genetic services um uh, will also tell you stuff about your um patriarchal lineage which you can only get if you're a guy hmm. 
Uh, so um, unfortunately, yeah, your patriarchal lineage can only come if you submit and you're a man. Um, uh, but, um, and obviously that's closely aligned with surnames, which have traditionally been inherited through the male line as well. So yeah, it's, it has exploded this year. Mm. Um, and we'll see, obviously a lot of these companies will go bust because they all can't compete in the same space. Uh, but a, a lot of them, as they are purely data processing uh, services, they don't do the analysis, they don't do the medical part. Uh, you're giving them the information and they're matching it. They're actually quite cheap. Mm. So it probably mm. cost me like £100 to do ancestry.com. It'll cost me a fiver to get further information from some of these companies. So, so Ancestry.com is going to send you the relevant information which you then forward on to these other companies. Yeah, and the, the actually most useful for one for that is 23andMe because it's the most widely supported of mm. the services. Um, I would love to be able to afford to do the uh, Ginos one because that has got incredible levels of information. Um, it, 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 but is obviously expensive. We'll see that each year we're seeing better analysis anyway. So I imagine we'll have the the final goal is full genome sequencing of your DNA for £100. Mm. Um, We will see that in about five years, I think. Uh, At the moment, it's still kind of marker based, but it's very good. Great. And that's our Christmas special. What a delicious smorgasbord of chocolate that was. It has been quite a smorgasbord. And what's in the 25th? (gasps) Christmas Day. Oh, open up. It's our hopes and dreams for next year. What are you looking forward to, Paul? I am uh, looking forward to the scientist takeover when uh, scientists uh, seamlessly take simultaneous control over all governments in the world and decide to rule using uh, statistics and scientific methodology to discover the best way of living. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to that too. Um, <laughs> what are you looking forward to, Adrian? Well, it was very similar, but instead of scientists, it was Ken Clark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so uh, what was it going to roll with? I was going to roll... Uh, and and finish off with uh, recommendations for people who have missed the podcast because oh, yeah. um, yeah. there's been plenty of messages from people um, uh, who apparently have been listening to this podcast Blimey. and have missed it oh, dear. Uh, while we've been off the air and I do apologise to you all um, but we did you a favour we did you a favour you, <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be listening to this much podcasting <laughs> to be quite honest um, so if you are still waiting to get your tech whistle wetted uh, can I recommend um, on YouTube the Node, uh, the Node, um, sorry, the Node channel? That's underscore Node. Um, that is a tech. Um, he has a tech channel um, done by one guy, but it's incredibly detailed and he scours the internet for some really interesting stuff. He's also very interested in uh, building technology at home and an open web and things like that. So he, he's very much a man of, of my own... Uh, uh, he, sorry, he's very much a man who has my beliefs in terms of information and, and technology. Um, also, a podcast I can recommend is the Science Disrupt podcast uh, for those looking for more science news, which I know is hard to find. It's quite easy to find good tech news out there. Uh, there, there are a lot of kind of consumer tech podcasts and consumer tech video shows uh, on youtube however there's very hard to get good science um uh, particularly on the cutting edge and science disrupt is really really good 
And if you want to uh, learn anything about the Brexit process in further detail, I recommend the Romaniacs podcast, which is very, very good. Um, but mostly I recommend uh, just diversify your news. Please do try buy and buy different newspapers. If you read newspapers, don't always read the same one. Um, try and plug yourself into lots of different sources on Twitter. Don't just don't just live inside your own little bubble. Facebook, uh, delete it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's actually a very yeah. My advice to everyone: I, I live without Facebook. Delete Facebook. Just oh. get rid of it. Yeah, it is. It's poison, um, and you'll feel a lot better. Yeah. So that's my advice. Nice, 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 baby. Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh yeah, and have a happy 2018. <laughs> no matter what happens, just put a smile on your face. Yeah, we'll see you at the uh, for a nice spring. General election. (laughs) (laughs) No more elections! Twitter at Paul underscore Hayes or aid underscore Grant.